Apple loses 2 trillion status following largest one day loss in market value of any company ever. Any company ever. Any company ever. Ever. Well, you have to be, it has to be huge in the first place yeah. to then lose more than any company has ever lost. Like, you have to, by getting to that 2 trillion status that was already, it was the rare atmosphere to begin with. Yeah. It's been tough in the tech stocks today. It's a very, it's all, it's business today, Will. Because, because there's an impact here. People right. are affected and they're impacted and they need us to break it down for them. Okay. They need us to let them know what's going on in the world. Okay. And it's really, to be honest, I appreciate that, but it's kind of impossible because this stock market was just flying, untouchable, unstoppable, then stoppable. Mm. sell off hype this is how it goes will you're one of these trader types all of a sudden a few people start to move some stuff around you, you panic you say i gotta move some stuff around yeah it's having to my value here especially the short-term guys uh-huh. trying to make a buck and you might say well i got this and uh, it's dipping and i gotta sell before everybody else does so i get the value back and there's all kinds of bizarre Little options and shorts and all this business in there that impacts and it affects and, and, and you have a panic. And you don't want to panic in the stock market. But it has been now. And this is, of course, uh, Apple is, is going to be at the forefront of it because it's a, it's a very popular investment and very significant company. $2 trillion status. I mean, we talked about it when it happened. Their market capital capitalization slid almost 200 billion as a re, as a result of this sell-off, marking the largest one-day loss in value for any company ever. It's crazy. You have a company of a scale, will, where the loss in a day could be bigger than the market cap for big companies. Yeah, the entire value of big companies yes. is what you lost in a day in market cap. Now you didn't. I mean, what did you lose? Well. It's kind of somewhat vapor, but yeah, you lost the value in that moment. Tremendous. I mean, you don't want to misplace two hundred billion. Well, yeah, you want to misplace that. Well, there, if you have like two trillion, does it really matter? Hey, man. <laughs> yeah, it matters. Oh, okay. Because what it does is it can start. Well, it snowballs, right? The sell-off in the same way that the buy-in snowballs the other way. I guess snowball is always downhill. You can't snowball uphill. Climbs the same, the hype climbs in the exact same fashion. When it tumbles, you get the snowball, uh -huh. which is the more pylon you get, uh -huh. the more pace to which the thing takes place. And uh, this is just happens to be a really big one. The stock price is still high. It's important to note. And if we're going to talk about it, we should bring up the chart. It, you're thinking, how big is this dip? The dip is significant because Apple hadn't been dipping at all. It was just sheer performance. And you look at the five-day, you can see how down it actually is. I, th I think if you look at the one month, you'll see how insignificant it is at the moment. Mm -hmm. But you know how this goes. People panic. They panic that there will be more panic. You panic about panic. Uh -huh. What's the ultimate fear, Will? Fear of fear itself. I thought you were going to make a Dark Knight reference. No, you can't beat it, right? You can't be more afraid of anything than fear, really. Like, what are you really afraid of? 
It, it, I mean, everybody lives and dies. What are you really afraid of? The f uh. You're afraid of being afraid. Mm. And as an investor, your, your fear or your panic is commensurate with the panic of others. You can't detach it because ultimately your value is wrapped up in everybody else's mood and impression. Right. It's so volatile. Mm -hmm. Scary. It starts to go the other way. Now, you have some backbone here because it is Apple. And you know you got a lot of long-term fans in there, as we've talked about in the past, whether it's Apple, Tesla, whoever else. Mm -hmm. And you hope that there's some, that that sell-off has its limitations where people are like, look, I'm holding this for the long term. Yeah. And then that offsets it. And people like the company and the company generates profits. And the company gives, gives, gives out dividends. There's a real company there in the case of Apple. It's not all hype, but the question is, what is the hype ratio? Mm -hmm. And even those long-term holders who may have made a few bucks on the five-year, maybe they say, hey, I'm concerned. The world is weird right now. Maybe I want to sell too. Right. So, But still, go to the year-to-date over here just to let make everybody feel warm and fuzzy. Look at the year-to-date. And this is not just affecting Apple specifically. You talked about tech in general. You're trying to transition to the next story right now? Am I? It's wonderful. You did oh, it so well okay, done. Yes, well. Tesla. Tesla, the other brand. And, and you could actually just bring up the chart with them because it's a route for Tesla as well. It's the fourth day, longest streak since March. Tesla was on a rampage as well. Give us, give us, the, uh, give us the one month. Give us the year to date. Sure. Look, it looks just like Apple. What does this tell you about the market? Is it some market? <laughs> Zero in on a particular brand? Or it's the exact same pattern and path? Maybe even a little bit more steep in the case of Tesla. Tesla stock, $418. We've covered it here as well, how the Tesla rampage seemed unstoppable. But it's the whole, the NASDAQ is down. The tech stocks are down. And some investors think, Will, that the tech stocks are, are the start of a potential tumble for other things. We will see what takes place in the following uh, week. Where, of course, it's, you know, it's Friday now. Uh -huh. After hours, you got to, you got to, what is, what is the word they use for that? When the market, no, not that. <laughs> when they're trading, but the market is closed. Uh, not After market trading? Is that what they call it, Will? Uh, hold on. Will wants to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, maybe it's after. That sounds good. I like it. The regular market trades between 9.30 a.m. and 4 p.m. ET. After hours market trades from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. ET. Yeah. After hours trading. Way to go, Will. Hmm. You got to love it. Uh, Apple fell 1.5% on Friday. Amazon lost 2.1%. Microsoft 1.5%. Alphabet was down 1.7%. Facebook fell 2.6%. And Netflix lost 2.5%. It's just bailing. Let's bail on all of it. Will it level out? It's possible. These are some fancy, high-profile stocks. It sounds great to have those stocks in your portfolio. Yeah. Willie Doo's got a little bit of Amazon, a little Microsoft, a little Alphabet. You don't want to lose that, so you can't sell it all. Oh. So we'll see what happens next week, but it is a massive sell-off. It's a lot of volume. And there is some feeling as well. It's important to note it's not all vapor. It's not all hype. You have unemployment. The world is weird. You have people not working. You have some pretty significant concerns real concerns if if people are suffering if people don't have the disposable income if, if the economy's not doing well then it does have to end up somewhere at some point mm. in the stock market doesn't it mm -hmm. 
Maybe. Eventually. I mean, maybe a- Amazon's got to bounce back. And how else are you going to shop? Yep. But anyways, yeah, everything's down for now. It's all down for tech at the moment. Speaking of being down, Broadcom seems to confirm uh, chip their own chip delay, which therefore appears to mean that this iPhone, again, on, on a negative side for the stock market, that this iPhone 12 is going to take a little more time than it normally would. We would normally be ramping up for this thing in September and everybody's saying, no, 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 it's going to be October, delays, delays, delays. And some of it's speculation, exclusively speculation. Other stuff is pretty direct and to the point. Broadcom CEO Hawk Tan discussed a major product cycle delay at a large North American mobile phone company. I mean, is that even speculation? Who's the large? <laughs> Come on. Also, Broadcom earns one-fifth of its entire revenue from supplying Apple. So is that even, that's not even speculation at that point. Mm. You're just saying it straight up. We don't have any North American smartphone companies. Stop it. Representing a big volume for your company. I don't even know who is Motorola considered. Who? Who are we talking about, Will? Google. Google? No. Okay. No, it's Apple. Stop it. Uh, in 2019, Broadcom earned one-fifth of its revenue from supplying Apple. The confirmation of significant late 2020 shipments for this company indicates that the iPhone 12 is highly unlikely to arrive this month. Pointing towards October for the launch of the iPhone 12 lineup, Apple Watch Series 6, and the long-rumored AirTags. This coming via Mac rumors. It's going to be a late iPhone this year, Willie do. And what is the effect or impact of that going to be? I don't know. Maybe it's okay because people need some time to recover from the current status anyways, and they're holding on to their cash, and then come October, they're like, hey, Christmas is coming. I'm ready to go. But Apple has been on that. They've really targeted that back to school, that September Mm. type of thing, and it's obviously worked well. So uh, this could be a problem going later into October, and then if shipments, if they can't meet the demand and people are waiting around, do they – People ready to wait potentially for the deliveries into right. November. It's just not, you know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. The later you get, the weather starts to turn out there. I mean, that's what the whole Christmas enterprise is about. Mm-hmm. Trying to be a shot in the arm for con- consumption at a time of year where you're, everybody's taking a nap. Yeah. So you think it's uh, going to be October? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the word right now. October at least... To get things started, there's there's a rumor that some of the models may be a little more difficult mm-hmm. or delayed, and then maybe you see some models come out earlier and others potentially two weeks after that. Right. It's uh, it's quite possible, but it seems, I mean, listen, Broadcom comes out and says specifically, let's see what they say. They say uh, they've. Broadcom has confirmed that a ramp-up of its chip shipments for what analysts believe to be the iPhone 12 will run into the final quarter of 2020. Final quarter. That's late. Mm -hmm. And so if they're supplying the iPhone, then the iPhone itself has to be later than that. Right. Right, because that stuff has to go in. So if they're upping production into that final quarter, you presume that the, the... the glut of the volume has to take place in the final quarter as well. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, more more tough stuff for Apple. The uh, you, I mean, we we've covered this this epic Facebook. There's a people are upset. Developers are upset with Apple. I mean, I mean that seems fairly evident at this point. Some bi- some big developers, some small developers. I've noticed something. The really big developers are mostly focused on the cut. They're mostly focused on the 30% piece. They don't like it, whatever they want to talk about it. Governments seem interested in that as well. We did the story about how Russia may want to put in some kind of legislation to, to stop that. Small-time developers seem far more uh, interested or bothered by the reviews process and the approval process, which I didn't know this. I kind of had heard the rumblings hmm. on Twitter from people saying, man, it's a nightmare trying to get an app into the app store. Or I don't even know why my app was denied. And just like you hear these, this conversation taking place. And this can be a real problem for a small-time developer who has put, say, a tremendous amount of work into something and is really depending on accessing customers. And right. then they're sitting there waiting, seemingly not knowing exactly what's wrong with their app. And in some cases, being denied and not really having a ton of clarity if the changes they're going to make are then going to get them approved and when. Mm-hmm. And so... We now have this story about Japanese developers who are collectively complaining about the App Store business model and some of its processes and how it treats apps uh, coming from developers. Japanese developers have now expressed concerns about the App Store's business model regarding Apple's 30% commission and also how the company treats third-party apps. As the gaming market in Japan is extremely strong, the local government may soon take action. So... There's a there's a thinking here that if you have enough Japanese developers that are not super happy about these policies and how things are taking place, then they could uh, petition or lobby their local officials to actually do something about it to enforce a different rule set if Apple wants to continue to do business there. I guess that's what a local government is supposed to do. I don't yeah. know, maybe listen to the to the locals. That's capture a few yeah. votes or something like that. Now, there's a, the thinking here is that many have been motivated and inspired by the epic conversation, yeah. which is kind of what Sweeney was saying in the beginning. It's right. not about us. Some people think it is about, well, it definitely is about them, yeah. right? There's money on the line. Let's not forget. But it certainly has spurred on all this other. I mean, Facebook is, mm-hmm. has, has a, gotten a lot more vocal about the App Store pol- policies afterwards. I'm sure there's others. I'm, I'm forgetting. Yeah, everyone's coming out of the woodwork. Coming out of the world. And Epic seems to be just like under the radar now. There's not much news about them. No, well, I mean, they officially got kicked off. It kind of seems like it's a wrap until, you know, how it is in court. It take, The stuff mm-hmm. takes time. Uh, there's actually a company called Prime Theory in Japan, and they kind of take on these cases where people are having difficulty getting their apps into the app store. Here's a quote from uh, Prime Theory. Apple's app review is often ambiguous, subjective, and irrational. Uh, He complains that the app review process sometimes can take weeks, but it's difficult to get support from Apple on these occasions. While Apple will never admit it, I think there are times when they simply forget an item's in the review queue. (laughs) Uh, So there's a couple of, they, they, they think that it's not the most efficient process to get an app. In there, they feel like it's ambiguous why an app is denied. And they also think that Apple is too restrictive on the type of content that they can put in there as well. Hmm. So Apple, I mean, look, it's their, uh, that's their garden, right? They, they, pr- yeah. they prune and clip their garden and they get to call a lot of the shots. And it's not that these 
cases don't have legs because they're obviously getting the attention of the local governments in, in a variety of places. It's not exclusive to the U.S. And so the question will be in the future, will Apple be able to maintain the amount of control that it has in the past or are they getting too, way too much attention right now from governments Yeah, where I mean, it's going to be hard to hang on to it? They are the regulators of uh, developers. They are the regulators. regulate them. Who regulates the regulators? Yeah. Who watches the Watchmen? Yeah, Watchmen reference. Is that what you were going for? Yeah. Did you read the the graphic novel or just watch the movie? I did. Yeah, long time ago. What? What? The graphic novel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So did I. That's that's odd. But I guess it's like a classic, right? It is. Yeah. But I just didn't read many graphic novels. But I think that it, was the one. That, that might be the only thinking. graphic novel I ever read. But I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I did watch the movie, and I'm going to do the cliche thing that everybody does and say the novel was way better than the movie. Mm -hmm. But everybody says that. Yeah. I don't know why is that. It's just the, a lot more uh, detail. It was more of an experience for me, a time in my life. I don't know. I, I had time to read a graphic novel. And maybe you can imagine the world better. I guess that's so what it was. Better I mean, it seems like a really uh, timely thing right now that people could read this right now. It's amazing how it remains relevant. I mean, that thing came out a long time ago, but it was about the necessary... Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but I just like the the world the way it is right now, this feels like you could watch, you could uh, read that right now. Yeah, too bad we don't have a Dr. Manhattan. Well, there you go. You know. You're spoiling. I'm not spoiling. I, <laughs> You're spoiling. Sorry. Uh, PlayStation 5 uh, is looking like it's going to release in North America first before the rest of the world. Hmm. Which, uh, I mean, I can, I can understand people will be upset with that. Yeah. Uh, we're in North America, so it seems like we would be in an early phase, Canada and the U.S. Yeah. But if you're in the U.K. or even Japan, which is strange. Oh. Europe, definitely, but maybe Japan as well. You may see availability come later. And the reason people figured this out or how people figured this out is because there was a, there's this game, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. The trailer was uploaded to the official PlayStation YouTube channel earlier this week, and it broke down di the digital digital editions of the game and availability. It said the game would come to the U.S. and Canada in holiday 2020 and the rest of the world in late 2020. Right? Now, w wait, isn't ho holiday 2020 is already late 2020? Yeah. So what is, so late 2020 is really late. Late 2020 is is like a week later, two weeks later. I don't know. But you're running out of 2020. Uh -huh. And then the reason that becomes extra scary is because pretty much everyone assumes at this point that the volume of these units is going to be really limited. Mm. Uh, PlayStation or Sony already came up with a plan for how to deal with the pre-orders and making pre-orders available. One per household. One per household. But also they were giving a little head start to pre-existing PlayStation mm -hmm. owners with that invite program that they had. Uh but anyway, they quickly changed it. They took they took the trailer down or they set it to private and then re-uploaded a version that removed the messaging. So that's the smoking gun that they probably didn't want people to, you know, that that shouldn't have been in there. It's not helpful, I suppose, for yeah. people to know that. Uh, however, another interesting thing that Games Radar uncovered here was, or they didn't uncover it, they just looked back into the history. And the last time around, I guess with the PlayStation 4, was it? The same kind of thing happened. It took a couple extra weeks to show up in 
in places in Europe. Oh, I'm curious about the resale value online. If someone decides to buy it in, uh, I don't know, North America, mm. would they just jack up the price for people in the UK? Is that they would not do that. No. You have the problem, the regional problem. A lot of these are region locked. And, and also you have the discrepancy NTSC PAL. You could do, possibly do North America to, J to Japan. That's both NTSC. Mm. But the UK, I believe, is PAL. And certainly yeah. almost all of Europe is PAL. And I remember in the old days, Will, when I was into the the imports and the old Playstations and stuff and the yeah. mod chips. And I had to know about PAL. PAL? Yeah, I had to know about PAL. And NTSC and everything else. And I'm sure other people are, are laughing about this. But I used to, I actually feel like I imported a few games from Japan. And I had to put a mod chip to turn off the region lock. The mod chip. Yeah, I had to put the mod chip, man. So people don't think I got the street cred. But I've been in this. I was goofing around since I was, you know, 13 years old. I was goofing around. And now I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an older, I'm an elder statesman of the tech community. But I don't. Don't don't think I wasn't there. Don't think I marched in here, uh, you know, sat down and everything was the way it was. I had to goof with the mod chips, you know. I had to earn my stripes. Wasn't that illegal? Don't try to turn around your Steam account on me, all right? I know what you're up to here. It was funny. A lot of people came to defend We've you We've all done that. some dirt. Come on now. <laughs> no, it's part of it. I think it really, it, what's weird about it, Will, is... Uh. At that moment, the kind of scandalous nature of the entire enterprise was a motivating characteristic of like, hmm, wow, my pals can't play those Japanese games, but, mm. and I was still buying the games, by the way, I wasn't, it wasn't like a theft thing, it was just that you couldn't access it. It was region locked. They had, they had region locks, plus Sony didn't want you to do it, I guess, yeah. or I just remember some funny stuff. My brother, actually, maybe you don't know this. He lived in Italy for a short period of time, maybe like two months or something. Uh. And uh, he purchased a PlayStation while he was there. He's a bit homesick or whatever it was. He wanted to play some PlayStation. He was there by himself. Uh. And uh, I remember he packed it in his suitcase and brought it back. And we, we had a rude awakening about like, we can't use that PlayStation, uh. even though he purchased it there because of the regional, regional stuff at the time. I don't know what they're gonna do with the PlayStation 5. There's probably some information out there about the whether or not they will be as strict from a region perspective, but the PAL NTS, NTSC thing is real, right. regardless, because it has to do with the televisions and the, mm. and the uh, electrical systems in, yes. in those various places. So anyways, there's a, another thing they found on the Wayback Machine on the UK version of Sony's PS5 product page that also pointed to late 2020, which was changed at one point from holiday 2020. So I would suspect that we will see a North America first release and then a week or two weeks later popping up everywhere else. I don't know why they do it like this. Maybe it's the battleground. Maybe the North America is more of a battleground Xbox versus play. I don't know, man. I don't right. know why right. they, they, what the incentive is to do this. I think they should do it at the same time all, all around the world. Because I've been on the bad end of that. Mm. Especially sometimes in Canada, you can't get a thing right away. Ugh! Drive you crazy, man. Yeah. 
We have some real-world NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080 benchmarks showing an up to 80% performance gain over the RTX 2080 in multiple AAA games. These are 4K benchmarks on uh, NVIDIA's latest $700 card, and they were putting it up against the previous generation, obviously RTX 2080. I don't remember what the price of that was, but the suggestion here is that NVIDIA hasn't really raised its price, which a lot of people are happy about, that the performance gains here don't come along with an increase in, in price to get those performance gains. In other words, uh, in the past, to get something similar, you would have been into one of those uh, TI versions of the card, mm -hmm. some kind of like special edition of the card, which that one was like 1200 bucks yeah. in the 2080 flavor. And... This this new RTX 2080 starts at 699. So it's like people are happy thinking, saying that NVIDIA could have raised the price a little bit more than they did on this particular card when you consider the performance. Games like Borderlands 3 see an 81.6% performance boost with uh, 4K resolution. Some other titles, Doom Eternal, 84.2%, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, 69.8%. And there's a number of other ones in there, including a ray, tr ray tracing Quake 2 RTX mm -hmm. benchmark at a 92.3% performance improvement. So people are very excited about saying this is a full generational type of thing. And you were just getting me excited before we started shooting, suggesting that we're going to do a brand. We got a, a whole game plan here. We're going to do a, a, a really interesting amazing shocking type of gaming setup very soon can you soon. say any more or is that it is that is a too much of a well a they're definitely spoiler? gonna have the 3090s in there 3090s yeah my goodness maybe, maybe a couple couple of 3090s now those are obviously the more expensive model i think that's around 1500 bucks those things are complete banana town i am very excited for this keep it locked on Unbox Therapy. We're going to come with uh, some a pretty cool next-generation gaming setup so that we can play uh, Fall Guys. What did you say? Minecraft. Minecraft. Yeah, Fall, Fall Guys, yeah. Fall Guys. It's I was joking, by the way. Intensive. I, I, wanna, I want those next-gen games. I guess that's too much to ask at the moment. Cyberpunk comes in uh, November. No, Yeah, so, so wouldn't be there. Would it be there in time? No. No. No, it wouldn't be there in time. No, it's a couple months away. Yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be there in time. But whatever, we'll push some title. We'll we'll, we'll get some graphics. We'll get some ray tracing. We Play can show simulator. some. We can show some ray tracing. Yeah, definitely. Anyway, uh, Google Maps is getting dark mode. I didn't even realize it didn't have dark mode in Google Maps. I thought it did, right? Or oh, you're wondering right now too. The maps turn dark when you're driving in the dark, right? but not I don't the know. UI? I don't know. Does it? I felt like... Dark mode like for Google we, Maps we is already almost ready for prime time. Huh. Apparently, they've been working on it for more than a year, and Google has been teasing that they're working on a dark theme for Maps as well for over a year, and then this developer goes in there, he finds dark mode stuff inside the code. You know how they do this? They do teardowns of apps. They sift through the code? Yeah, that's right. Oh. We've talked about it before. It's like a teardown of a device, but you tear down the app, Will, and you see what's really going on in there. So if you scroll down a little bit further, you'll see the option becomes available for a dark theme. 
to the Maps application. And oh. if you scroll down a little further, you get a little preview of what that might look like. Now, the map itself in this case is not dark mode, but the other elements are. Presumably, when this thing actually uh, gets going fully, the dark mode would also apply to the to the map portion. I'm with you. I don't know. I feel like I've seen the dark that picture from the top. I feel like I've seen dark maps previously. I think Android Auto flips the map to dark. Am I crazy right now? The maps definitely turn dark. The maps turn dark. But the UI elements, like the buttons and stuff, I don't remember. They stay light. Yeah. Anyway, this is a place where dark mode would be greatly appreciated, not just in the map itself, but also in the UI, because when you're driving, Will, you've experienced this before, it's uh, late at night, there's not a lot of ambient light, and having any the bright light in the car can be very, the same way your dash changes color or mm. goes more dim, so you're, you're, you know how it goes with the pupils. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want... It's going big and then small, and it's very distracting. And there's glare that can be introduced. And I remember it would be like, as a kid, you're driving with your parents or something, and you're like, put the light on. Like, I can't put the light on. I can't see anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The glare. I guess with dark mode, too, it's uh, <laughs> good on battery, you know? Oh, save on battery. Yeah. Well done. All right, so yeah, dark mode for all the things, please, including... Google Maps in the future. This one is kind of cool, and uh, it kind of surprised me, actually. I love simple technology tweaks that just simplify your life a little bit. Mm. Amazon has some new Blink security cameras, can run up to four years on AA batteries. Four years! Mm. I mean, the biggest problem with these security cameras, well... If you don't want some kind of crazy installation, maybe you're renting your property or you're just not, you're just like, I don't want to, I'm running wires. What am mm -hmm. I doing here? It's 2020, I'm yeah, running it's wires. very annoying. So, but you might want a security camera on the outside of the house and the inside of the house and you might just want to pop it up there and then sort of set it and forget it. Hmm. All right? You might have to outfit uh, your house. Yeah. With some security. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I will, yeah. You will, you will. So so either you got to wire it up or or you can have some tremendous battery life. They're going to have the $35 uh, Blink Mini. I guess that, uh, let's see, Amazon fleshed out its lineup of home security cameras. The $35 Blink Mini, but then also now they got the Blink Indoor, Blink Outdoor. Outdoor can deal with minus 4 Fahrenheit to 113 Fahrenheit, so harsh conditions. It's 1080p capable. It'll have 110 degree field of view. These things are tiny. Like they're not uh, obnoxious or anything. The cameras themselves. Uh, it will run on two AA batteries, which Amazon says is enough to power them for a full two years. But here's what I like. You can also buy an extended battery pack, which allows the Blink camera to house four AA batteries instead of two. And then you get a total runtime of four years. Four years. It's like uh, the the new the new fangled light bulbs. You just like uh. replace them and never think about it again. Some of those last even longer. But yeah, I love this. Four years goes by. You see your camera's no longer streaming. You just grab four double A's. You go back. It's yeah. fine. It's another four years. It's another four years. This is a uh, this is pretty amazing. Oh, you're happy about it. 
Yeah, without any wires, that's the main thing, right? I hate the wires. To find an outlet and then also make sure that the uh, wire is long enough or mm -hmm. short enough. That's uh, that is pretty cool. Yeah, so maybe maybe Willie Doo's uh, future fortress is going to be completely protected by a bunch of Blink cameras. I'll get and ten of them. He's going to get ten, and Bezos is, of course, going to tune in and see what you're up to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. You can... Uh, you're, you can control all your settings and routines through Alexa, and you now have your choice of video storage options. Th three bucks per month to save videos to Amazon's cloud, or you can use just use USB flash drives and the included Blink Sync modules, and you can just keep the footage local if you prefer. You don't want to pay the fee or whatever. Huh. Travis Scott has launched his own McDonald's meal deal. Hmm. And uh, this one, it showed up two times in my news. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, what can I do with this? Can I? And then I read a little bit about it and I realized, okay, this is newsworthy because this doesn't happen. Collaborations with apparel companies and sneakers and, and this kind of stuff happens all the time, Will. Uh -huh. McDonald's does not collaborate on meals. No. In fact, I'm going to put you on the spot right now and ask you when the last time McDonald's collaborated on a meal or or an item and who it was they collaborated with. Um, I would say Raptors, right? They have that uh, deal. Yeah. You get free fries for uh, Raptors sinking in, I think, 12 threes or something. Oh, they do promos Beyond like the that. Arch. They do promos like yeah. that. But I'm talking about a celebrity endorsement type of situation. <laughs> well, that's not what you originally said, did you? Uh, but I thought that was given, granted, because it's Travis Scott. It's a right. one guy. Yeah, it's not it, the whole team. It's a one thing. guy thing, and it's a different item, too. This is the key. It's a custom item with a guy's name on it. Because, because Will, with the Raptors thing, they got a promo. They probably put... They probably have some marketing material and advertising, but ultimately you're just getting the fries. Yeah. So who was it, Will? Um I don't I don't know. It was Michael Jordan in nineteen ninety two and our Jordan. pal Brad Hall did an entire video about it. One of his greatest videos, he goes and orders the McJordan. Oh. And I mean obviously he's Michael Jordan number one fan. How to order a McJordan. And he, even though the McJordan is not on the menu, you can still order it as a custom order. Yeah. And that's what that's what he does in this particular video, one of the best videos on the entire internet over here, easily. So the real McJordan was available back in 92, and it was mostly just different toppings. Okay. Than you would normally have. I think, yeah, it had barbecue sauce and mustard. I think it might have had a bacon strip. You got yourself a McJordan, as he states here. So who knows? Maybe you'll, maybe you'll do your very own McJordan sometime soon. But let's talk about Travis Scott's Cactus Jack X McDonald's collaboration. Oh. Here's what this is going to be. It's going to be priced at $6. And you're going to get a quarter pounder with cheese, bacon, lettuce, fries, barbecue sauce, and a Sprite for 6 bucks. They're going to do uh, some charitable stuff. Some of the proceeds are going to go towards uh, charity during the entirety of the month-long promotion. It's going to be available next week, starting September 8th, and it will go till October 4th. 
And so McDonald's, a couple of interesting things there, opening up the doors to sort of more modern collaborations hmm. and uh, people having fun with it. Yeah. It's just weird that it's Travis Scott. But he, Travis Scott has been getting all the, all the collabs. His agent, somebody needs to, needs to congratulate his agent. He pulled off the Fortnite deal. Yeah. The live concert. The live concert was enormous. He pulled off the, he had the Cybertruck in the music video. Oh yeah. He pulled off the Tesla deal. Now he's got his own McDonald's meal. These These are not easy deals to pull off, Will. You know how many people are involved? All these meetings and Zoom conference calls and oh yeah, I, I know a little bit about that. Pull all that stuff off, and you got to decide on the ingredients. You got to get on a call and say, "Look, my quarter pounder got to have cheese, bacon, lettuce, fries, barbecue sauce, and a sprite." Huh. And then they got to go scratch their heads and be like, "Can we? What is it? One patty, two? But what are we gonna?" <laughs> and he says, "Got to be affordable. Got to be six dollars." Yeah. And then they got the whole team and they got the suits and everything else. It's tough, yeah. man. Anyway, go check it out. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Instagram posts people picked up. I hope there'll probably be special rap to go with it or something. Yeah. And people can get excited about it, man. Uh, this next one, I don't know if you caught this news or not, but Jeep came out with an enormous vehicle, a remake of the of the Wagoneer, the Grand Wagoneer. Okay, this is... I might be interested in one of these. I'm running out of space all the time, okay? Now, the original one, what you're looking at right there, you may remember it from your favorite 80s and 90s films. Hmm. The family in the films always had that one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With the wood panels. Yeah, the kids was, in the back. One of those early SUVs, you know? I don't know, was it the... The Christmas Vacation guy had uh, Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase he, yeah. They may have had one of those in the early scene of driving off the road. And it was always just the family. It didn't matter. It could be a horror movie. It was it was that vehicle, man. That was the family mobile of the era. So it went away for a long time. This thing was uh, made between 1963 to 1991. Actually, there was the game you would play in the car. You 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 remember this? If you had a sibling, you would do. It was from a movie, I'm sure. Punch buggy, no punchbacks, and you punch the person. Oh, I've heard of that game before. Never okay, played it. so that would be you would punch the person if you saw a punch buggy. I don't know what a punch was. A punch buggy, I think, was a beetle. Yeah, it's a beetle. All right, so if you had seen a beetle, you could punch the guy. But I feel like there was also a version of that game for the wood paneling, where you would say. Panel? Beaver panel. You would say beaver panel, I think. You would say, would you say beaver panel? I don't know what you would say. Beaver whack? Punch buggy. When you see a car with wood paneling, you would turn to your nearest friend, smack them, and say, beaver whacks back? Beaver whack? I don't know, man. These are crazy games from the childhood. in the face. I don't remember this. (laughs) You know, it's sort of like vaguely there in my head. Of course, these uh, these vehicles they don't Rude. exist on the roads anymore. So these type yeah. of games, they uh, all a lot of cars look the same now, man. And as a kid, it's not that exciting. But you had Beatles and wood panel cars in the '80s. Yeah, you could Very be cool. yeah, you could find reasons to smack each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Anyway, so they're bringing this concept back in the form of this uh, Grand Wagoneer. It will be an enormous SUV to comp compete with, you know, the the Navigator or the uh, uh, the Suburban, the Escalade, like these big SUVs. But they're not supposedly going to bring back the wood paneling. So he got a lot of fans saying, hey, if you're going to bring back the Wagoneer, we're going to need to see the wood paneling. So this, what you're looking at here is actually a concept rendering of what it would look like the modern version with the wood paneling i mean it's missing some of the charm of the original obviously and the original was so flat on the side i think you could use real wood hmm. like a boat almost but now you got curves in these modern cars and stuff could you use real wood i don't i don't really know but anyways it's a tough thing to do when you bring back a legend oh. a lot of people hold you to uh Certain set of criteria if you think you're going to do that. Do you think uh, beaver whack will come back? Maybe it's going to make a comeback. Although, you know, nowadays the children, they can't be hitting each other. There's going to be a whole speech afterwards. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the 2020. Is there's, just a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of rules in 2020, man. You can't be. This is your story here. Scientists invent artificial skin that can feel pain. This is a very exciting, interesting development here. Uh, specifically, first and foremost, for prosthetics. You can imagine, Will, the feeling is gone in the extremity if you are if you lose the extremity or whatever, and then you get the prosthetic, and the prosthetic is somewhat limited. Even there's some new high-tech ones that you can move some things around, grasp things, mm -hmm. but ultimately touch or the sensation of touch, it gives you a lot more control, feedback, instantaneous feedback, so uh, these scientists, they did this artificial skin, which uh, apparently is, an, is a better alternative to skin grafts and can improve prosthetics. It will augment or compensate human skin for the development of realistic humanoids. Oh yeah, that's the other part. You could also have better cyborgs because if the robot can, can feel, uh, you know, we had the spot robot over here. It's not feeling anything. Mm. So... If it could feel, maybe if it's walking into the flames, it's like, ouch. Yeah. I don't want to destroy myself like that. Uh -huh. Or if it falls down, it's like, oh, that. Yeah. Well, that's a weird concept. The idea of pain, digital pain, robotic pain. Yeah. Cyborg pain. Because all of a sudden now, the cyborg has the artificial skin with the feedback, and all of a sudden, Willie Do is rude and kicks the cyborg, smacks or whatever, punch buggy, and the cyborg's like, mm, I didn't like that so much. Death. Cyborg. Si si no, at first, it's, oh. it's gentle. At first, it's like, Will, I didn't like that very much. Like Dave? Yeah. I didn't appreciate. Uh, I didn't enjoy that, yeah. Will. Yeah. I didn't enjoy that very much, Will. And you're like, shut up! I double down? Yeah, you double down. Oh, okay. You double down because you're a tyrant. Uh-huh. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, yeah, but sensory stuff, it's in play all the time. Skin is our body's largest sensory organ. We feel hot. We feel cold. We can feel pressure. You, you, take, you, you, you take it for granted, obviously. If it's there, it's very subtle. You can do a lot because of touch. And, and so the artificial version of it is obviously exciting. Uh, they're, this thing is incredibly thin. They think they're going to be able to stretch the material. It can 
respond to changes in temperature and pressure. It's extremely, they can do an extremely thin coating, a thousand times thinner than a single human hair. It's incredible stuff. So you got to love the scientists. They're doing the work. They're putting the stuff out and there's a number of applications. So even if you're afraid of the futuristic cyborgs, you could at least be using this technology to help people with the prosthetics and to improve the feedback that they're getting through those uh, devices and things like that. So shout out to science. Shout out.